This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. All right, so I want to start off this episode first by saying congratulations to my special guest for getting her, not getting, but like completing her college Bachelor's career degree. degree. Yeah, I don't Sorry, know. If it, I wouldn't say career because you're probably not done considering you might go to grad school at some yeah. point. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaving that open because yeah. I just graduated yesterday. I don't want to think about it yet. Yeah, but congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. We're all so very proud of you. Thank you. Um, she graduated with her bachelor's in sociology and in English literature. literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, so we're very different in that sense. Actually, we're different, but if you really think about it, we're very similar because yeah. I studied in a creative field, which was art. You did English. Yeah, mainly and then, for creative reasons, honestly. Exactly, and then, but we then we both went into the... Social behavioral, sciences. Yeah, so I did political science and you did sociology. So technically, we did almost the same thing, but in different ways. Research. We both did qualitative research. Yeah, qualitative, that's my favorite. With the Yemeni community. Yep. Are you low-key well, trying to be Yemeni, me? So that's what everyone already probably <laughs> thinks that because they're just like, oh, mini nude. And I'm just like, please don't make me <laughs> hurt myself. If I'm anything, I feel like oh, I want to be like you when I grow up. First of all, you're so popular on Twitter. I don't understand I how that happens. <laughs> Can you like send some of that my way? I feel like my page doesn't get a lot of love. I'll just promote. I'll be like, well, you know what? After this episode, I'll tell everyone, hey, go listen to this episode and that's gonna be the tweet that no one likes or retweets probably not because honestly well but hey that ramalan tweet though the the one about okay you guys ramalan is gonna happen twice in the year 2030 just just really into it it's interesting but you also have to understand that the reason i didn't get it when you initially you know was bringing up the idea was because i was hungry it was like right before we broke our fast oh yeah you you were breaking your fast i'll give you that pass you know but Okay, that's no, why I, I literally touched it, but I was trying I... to understand if it was because it was going through a December January, like it was going between two years, but literally happening within the same thirty days. No, but no, no, it... I realize now that it's happening in twenty thirty at in the beginning January. of the year, and then again at the end of the year. So, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, twenty thirty, save your Ramadan twenty thirty banners because you can use it twice <laughs> that year. But then my my brother Hamza, he was just like, I'll just get one that says Ramadan Mubarak, and that's it. <laughs> Which is probably what all of them say. I actually yeah. doubt that they um, put some type of year on it. But yeah, that was actually a very interesting fact, and I don't think anyone's noticed that before. Yeah, because I thought about it, and I'm like, okay, it moves back, and I'm like, we're going to get you know, into the spring, and then eventually it's going to hit winter, and then I'm like, wait, it's going to be January. And then when it goes back, it's going to be December, but it's going to be December of that same year because we're moving backwards. I'm just backwards, excited to finally forwards. be able to take part in the holiday festivities like everyone else. And also be, what is it, victims to capitalism and the market. We already are. You're saying that <laughs> we're not. Party City had all the Ramadan decorations, know, which you made me go it. by. I did so. not. Yasmin did. Yeah, well, why do you think we have the one that I brought? Yeah, I said buy me one while you're at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so It's cute that we ha- we need to update it. It is cute. We're taking photos with my dad there every, well, we try to every day. Okay, we it's fail so because currently it says Ramadan, no, it says 17 days till Eid. We're in the 10. last 10 days. I know because we don't True, update yeah. it. Well, I was I going feel to like finals we get and graduation. Really... What was your excuse? <laughs> I was fasting and I work full time. Plus, I manage a podcast and many other things, as you know. Anyways, I didn't bring you on here to attack me. So <laughs> she's I feel like her resume. <laughs> I feel like we get overly excited when Ramadan starts and we have all these ambitions and like this whole. Wait, side note: someone put a comment in one of my posts. Um, saying how it was the episode that I did with the young and Muslim, um, and mm-hmm. she made a comment about how I, I guess something about like I sounded unintelligent because I used like and um a lot. So I'm gonna be cautious. Oh, let's talk about no. Let's talk about that. Remember how we talked about it the other day? 
Yeah, 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 about using certain words. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about, like, just me saying like and um. So I actually edit that out, but that episode, I was just like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna overwork myself and edit all these little... Don't bother editing out of this episode. I'm gonna say like a lot, but you know what? I got my degree in English literature. (laughs) (laughs) So So it's actually, um, it's like, I'm pretty sure it's probably a type of code switching. Well, maybe not code switching exactly, but you know. Okay, can you explain what code switching is, Miss Sociologist? Sociolinguistic. Code switching is basically if you speak in a certain type of slang or dialect and you're able to kind of, at least from what I understand. So basically, code switching is where if you have a certain dialect or something or you have certain like set of slang words that you use, but you're able to, depending on what setting you're in, you're able to change between that. So for example, I know me and my friends that are also Yemeni, a lot of us are able to switch into Yemeni like slang and then also like accents too. Like we'll imitate like our parents' accents and we're able to do that. Similarly, um, I'm trying to think, I feel like with the internet now, a lot of people are able to use like slang from different parts of the world. So like people in the UK will use slang that's like banter Southern. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, and then we'll use slang from the UK, like, banter in it. It it sounds ugly when we say it, but, you know, I mean... Yeah, 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 it's... Yeah, you know what I mean? Arguably, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, so, um, basically being able to switch between either or. So a lot of people think, like, oh, you sound unintelligent if you speak a certain way. Well, actually, if you're able to move from that to something else... It means you're more intelligent because your mind is able to make that switch really fast. Yeah, or just, you know, just be... You just know more. Yeah. So if you're able to... De- or you're, you're able to understand what they're saying. You yeah. know what I mean? But anyways, well, go ahead. Oh, well, no, I was going to say, I'm like, doing qualitative research, do you think that makes you feel, like, be a better speaker or, or be- more comfortable with, like, your voice? Especially, like, now that you do a podcast, you obviously have to, like, get used to your voice and be comfortable with it. But now do you, but do you feel like part of doing that qualitative research, because at least for me, doing qualitative research, because I just got out of it, and I'm actually hopefully, hopefully going to extend it, but doing it for, like, months... It's helped me get used to, like, just speaking and listening to my own voice. Because I have to literally replay it oh, yeah. all the time. I mean, almost three years too. of doing this, it's... Every time I edit, there's something else that I learn about myself and things that I pick up. And it's not just that, but also listening to people and listening to podcasts. And you listen to people's, like... There's, like, a cadence, like, a tone. The way that people... Like, you have to have, I feel like, a specific tone or rhythm... Because if you're, like, monotone, no one's going to want to listen to you, you know? Yeah. So you have to have some kind of beat. Um, and it could be, a, you know, your own style. But anyways, okay, going back to the Ramadan thing, because I think this is something interesting that we can talk about. By the way, we have absolutely no idea what we're going to talk about. We're just going to talk. Oh, yeah, we don't. Oh, yeah. Because this is how it is all the time at our house. Our best conversations come from this. And then we're like, we should do a podcast, you know, episode on this. And then we don't. No, but the, I feel like we go into Ramadan and it's, in, you know, t- tonight's the, the last 10 days. So inshallah, we'll be going to Salat al-Qiyam tonight. But w- at least for me, and um, I I guess I want to start off with a little bit about how Ramadan has been. And from my experience and what I'm seeing from speaking to my friends and just see, well, seeing people online talking about their experience is we, we really are excited for Ramadan to come, right? Because we all have something that we want to change about ourselves mm-hmm. and we feel like this is the perfect opportunity for us to finally do it. It's like a reason to do it. And sometimes we're a little overzealous and we're like really excited and ambitious and we have all these things in like the first couple of days we're in it and then it like... I feel like people go through a slump too. You go through a slump and then you start feeling guilty because for whatever reason, I think we assume that everyone else is just on a spiritual high and mm-hmm. we don't recognize that it, it, it has its ups and downs. And um, one of my favorite people, Huda from Yes, I'm Hot in This, who I've done a previous episode with, she's doing this whole series of her comics and one of and, and a lot of them are just really great um, social commentary pieces that that really touch on the experiences that people go through during Ramadan. And that's like, you know, okay, you know, you're not, you're not far enough in the Quran um, and where you want to be, or you're not spiritually there. Like some people, it's just like, you just don't feel it. And I think all mm-hmm. of that stuff is okay. But the problem is, is no one ever really shares that. So people you, feel guilty then. Exactly. You feel guilty. Like I had this whole setup and I mean, I still do it, you know, pretty well, 
but it's not the way that I expected because real life hits you and then when you're fasting, you're maybe not as energetic to like write or do certain things and you just kind of lay there or you're keeping yourself busy so you're not focused on the fact that you're hungry. And then when you break your fast, you're just like done. Yeah, like I remember for me, um, I mean, yeah, I think definitely a lot of people go through like that Ramadan slump where they just, they like how you said, they feel guilty because it's like if you think about it, Ramadan is so short. It's, you know, your one opportunity because you don't know if you're going to have this opportunity again. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you want to take full advantage but then if you're just not feeling it or if you just can't get yourself to do it and especially because a lot of us were tired we can be sleep deprived we can be you know dehydrated you know what i mean a lot of these things like it's hard to take care of yourself also, and there is that self-care aspect that i feel like is being promoted with ramallah as it should be you know what i mean yeah but it's hard to maintain so i think a lot of people they do feel je- not jealous uh guilty yeah if they can't do that i think too for me like in the beginning i don't know something about being hungry and dehydrated and just being very weak physically made me very weak emotionally too like the first like week was just really really like taxing on me like it was I don't know if you noticed but I was just like super low energy I was just not I don't know I felt very down Mm -hmm. and I think I shared something about it like on the podcast I called it like Ramadan blues but I think that that's also just interesting something about that experience of being weak physically and I don't know I like I can't explain it but it just it put my emotional state on a different level mind you I was also like pre-PMSing so I think that also has to do something with it but it was just like a really interesting time and so I was just really keeping to myself and yeah it was it was really weird like I don't really feel like that now but I definitely felt it in the beginning and I was like whoa this is not what I was expecting in the beginning of Ramadan yeah I know for me, this was my first year and possibly my last of doing finals with Ramadan. Oh yeah, that must have been hard. That was, that was really, really difficult. Um, well, yeah. So for me, like the first few days of Ramadan, it it hasn't hit like finals yet and things were pretty like, okay. Like in terms of like what was going on in school. So for me, things were kind of calm. Um, work was like starting to calm down because I also worked on campus and it was all, good to go um so like for me I really took advantage the first few days and I remember like I really made sure to take advantage and like read Quran and like read like read a lot of Quran read a lot of like you know Islamic books just like I remember like right after Fagd I would stay for like a whole entire hour or like two because I would just stay up until like work or like school at seven and I would just stay up and then I would just like be reading and like making dua and all this stuff and I still do that but I feel like it's been definitely a lot less. And for me, with finals going on, it was just a lot more difficult to maintain it. I remember I I would get, like, a lot of stress and anxiety over my, like, what was going on in terms of school, in terms of, like, deadlines. And, you know, there's this one uh, exam, which I I knew I failed. I don't know what she ended up grading me, but my final grade was a B. So, (laughs) alhamdulillah, I'm fine with that. Um, But I was literally so done at this point. I was like, as long as I pass enough to obviously like pass a semester which usually I I aim for like A's or maybe a B if it's like a really difficult class this time I was like if I get to see in this class I'm fine yeah um but yeah it was just really stressful and then graduation too right because there's a lot of prep that goes into that yeah definitely. which by the way I really and no offense but I hate graduations I've never liked them I didn't walk in my own graduation I only walked when I did my master's because it was a smaller more intimate ceremony and because my dad wanted me to like I I did it for my parents but they're just so long and you're literally waiting for a moment it was not only the biggest one but you were not where we thought you were going to be because the school switched and you walked with English and not sociology and I wish I walked with sociology. That's one of my regrets. <laughs> I'm like, the only reason why I walked with English is because some of my closest friends are in English. But Which, she got the outstanding student for sociology, and yeah. she didn't walk with that department. I know. Oh, you my You could have held the sign. Yeah, but, I mean, Ramadan, now at the last 10 days, I feel like the those really always feel like it feels like Ramadan because mm-hmm. you're just going to the masjid in the middle of the night and it's always more peaceful than it is for t- in tarawih because tarawih is just packed with everyone and kids and at this point at like 2-3 a.m. in the morning kids are asleep 
if they're except for the twenty seventh night, yeah, then that's that's like where the, it's like everyone shows up. Yeah, but it's still <laughs> somewhat quiet. It's just more yeah. people. Um, but yeah, I do prefer that. Um, I feel like that's time. a good point to like also revive things. You know what I mean? Like it's a really good like when you go through that slump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This like is a the good last time where it's like okay, it's like, okay I need to pick step up and yeah. like Oops. really be advantageous with this time because it's yeah. it's it's going by really fast. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, let's attack. Let's have um vegan vegan community. Let's all attack Nora There's right now. Probably none that listen to my podcast. No, wasn't it last time? Didn't you say how someone said something rude on our on our episode because we talked about veganism? What did they say? I don't know. <laughs> oh, or they said sure. something kind of weird. It was like I think I I, I, I got feedback about like saying like islamic context and stuff like that but oh, i don't know no. if it was anything weird but okay so this is here's why i ate salmon that's all i ate i was wild caught salmon that i bought from sam's club because um when i went to the middle east a few months ago or actually like half a year ago um i wasn't eating properly and if i don't eat properly and I don't eat enough protein I have hair loss issues and so I've been seeing a specialist a doctor for those issues for about a year and she's been very incredible I'm actually thinking of bringing her on a podcast and like discussing kind of what my treatment was like and how um I got my results and because she specifically focuses obviously like on the individual but she has a lot of hijabi clients and they mm-hmm. come from, like, the Middle East and stuff. She's based off in L.A. Um, and obviously she can't, like, unless you can go to her, which I go to her weekly every Saturday, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't get her services. And it's pretty incredible what she does. And a lot of it is very holistic. And um, anyways, so she's been on my case since the first day I went there because she did, like, this full exam. And she basically told me being a vegan is great and healthy, but hair is made of protein and you're going to need to eat more protein than like the normal person. So I thought I could supplement it with plant-based protein. And although I was doing an okay job at it, um, it wasn't until I went to the Middle East and with just with the change of the environment, I was losing a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, Stress-related, my scalp was inflamed and then just my food was really bad. Like there wasn't a lot of food options for me, especially like for lunch and dinner. And so that all had some type of effect on it and so when I came back um I was really unhappy with that experience and so I well anyways I I I made that choice to eat eggs when I was there because it was the only option that I had in terms of upping my protein intake and I was not going to eat any type of animal I didn't want to at that point yeah I can never honestly go back to uh, fish I can see eggs I can see I can't see dairy that just no dairy is disgusting to me and And I I love almond milk and oat milk or Beef? No, because I love beef cows. Is, beef is gross. Sorry. Like, no, I, yeah, I have no, no yeah. appetite for any other meat. Um, like, halas, like, it's just... go or, like... Uh, no, no, no. no. I, I never really liked that stuff from before anyway. It was mainly chicken and fish. But, so that helped actually a lot. And my treatment did even better than it was before I traveled. And then um, I realized, okay, well, I'm not going to keep eating eggs all the time because there's only so much eggs that you can eat. Mm-hmm. And so... I was like, okay, so I'll take the next step. And the next step was um, fish, and it was going to either be, like, shellfish or salmon. And I, I've always loved salmon. So, I mean, I've only had it once since I bought it, and I bought it in the beginning of Ramadan. But it was interesting because the day that I made it, I feel like my parents were so happy, and they were, like, looking at me as I'm sitting there, like, about to start eating it. Like, they couldn't believe I was actually going to have fish because they think it's the strangest thing that you and I don't eat meat and yeah. haven't for three years but yeah, I mean, I'm happy with the decision. I've had great results with my uh, my hair. I think hijabis in general suffer from different types of hair issues, and it's something that I've had a lot of conversations about on my podcast page. Yeah. Because I've put it up before, and a lot of girls were saying how hijab has either messed up like their texture, or it's caused them hair lice, or hair lice, <laughs> hair loss. Whoa. Not hair lice. Actually, it probably prevents hair lice. Yeah, it probably prevents it. Um, and then just also like a receding hairline because those caps that you wear under the yeah. hijab are really not good for you. But see, okay, here's the other th- issue. Hannah. Oh, well, okay, I stopped wearing them. Here's the thing. Now I only wear them when I wear chiffon hijabs. Because you kind of need yeah, it. Yeah, I, I need it. But if I'm not wearing, like if I'm wearing those crinkle or cotton hijabs, I stopped wearing them. But the issue is though is that your hijab keeps slipping off sometimes. And like I'll tuck it in and like I'll fix it. But sometimes I don't. So... 
I'm just putting this out there. It's it's a struggle just in general. Covering your hair. Yeah. And then, you know, everyone's like, you have a hair showing. And, like, that's fine if, like, you point it out, like, kindly. But then there's some people where they're just like, don't You're- be one of those girls. And I'm just like. Yeah. Well, yeah. so it's funny because one of my friends um, on Instagram, she just mentioned about, there was, like, a picture she posted of herself and her hijab was, like, lopsided. And she said, I still don't know how to keep it, like stay put she was like asking for advice if any girls like have any recommendations and Mm -hmm. i messaged her and i said you know when i hairspray my hair down when i brush it back like it'll still slide around but it doesn't give you that like push of the hairs where they start coming out of the side of your head Mm -hmm. you know um and it starts feeling really uncomfortable as well when it starts your hair starts shifting especially if you have really soft hair like my hair is really soft and it does that and it's so annoying so i hairspray but the only thing is, is you have to wash your hair then every night, which I know most people say that they don't do that because they think it's not as good. But my doctor actually recommended that I wash my hair every night. I wash my hair every single night. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you see my hair. My hair has become incredibly soft and healthy um, yeah. because I have to cleanse my scalp because my I have such a sensitive scalp. So I, I wash my hair every day. I mean, how do, like, just think about how non-hijabis do it. Because I'm pretty sure a lot of them, it looks like they style their hair every day. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I think it's more for convenience and so, so that like, it doesn't dry out their hair, especially if it's treated hair. If you have treated you hair, it's going to be dry. So if you wash it all the time, you lose those natural oils yeah. that are making your hair soft. But I think that if you are eating healthy and you're not doing a lot to your hair in terms of heat and color and chemicals, then you don't need to wash your hair every day. I mean, you wouldn't need to skip days to wash your hair because it would never be dry well that's you could the thing wash though, but day. with hairspray you put it on that's already chemicals you know what i mean like when i whenever i put on hairspray i'm like oh i really need to wash my hair like well, instantly by chemicals i mean like dying stuff that like fries your hair hairspray is a chemical yes but you wash it off and it's gone but when you like if you strip your hair or you bleach it like that's damaging to your hair well you yeah but even for girls you... who don't like I still feel like they don't... And also depends, too, because, like, a lot of this we're basing it off of, like, it depends on who we're basing it off of, you know, what, ty- what type of hair they have, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm I'm instantly thinking of, like, YouTubers that I watch that are, like, white and they might have, like, blonde hair or, you know what I mean? They just have hair that's, like, that's not the but same see, as ours. But also, like, it, it's going to be very relative to their their hair type. Yeah, that's so what I'm you're saying. Right. No, I know, but... For example, it's the same thing like with skin. There's a lot of girls who can like sleep with makeup on or like oh, barely do anything to their face and their face never really gets like they don't they're not acne prone. They don't they don't have sensitive skin and there's girls that like if they just wear makeup for like an hour, they're already breaking out or they get texture on their skin. And so those girls yeah are going to do more to their face and take care of it and more maintenance, which is kind of I guess my situation with my my scalp and not necessarily my hair, it's my scalp. Um, and that's another thing, too, is I think we focus on hair care and not scalp care. And there's a difference between the two. That's mm-hmm. something I, I was um, became more aware of. But anyways. Yeah. And- I need to work on mine more, too, honestly. I mean, in terms of, like, I'm trying not to with the cap. Because at first, like, I remember you recommended it to me a while ago. And I was like, no, I have to have the cap. Like, it feels so uncomfortable. And you know what? I didn't like, I didn't I like the how the exact same hijab, way. But and now I can't wear it. Yeah, no, now for me, I'm like, you know what, like, me. I mean, I can do either headaches. or, but it's just, yeah, no, I prefer, like, if it's chiffon, I, I'll have to, obviously, and I have been wearing a lot of chiffon recently, but, like, if it's a crinkle hijab, I think for me, just out of, like, laziness, I'm like, I'll just yeah. be like, let me put it on real quick, and then. I want to talk about, um, this just kind of came to mind, because I thought, what would be something that would be interesting that we could talk about that maybe could be relatable to other people and that's sibling relationships in terms of like two sisters especially because we are the youngest in the family we are seven years apart and we Mm -hmm. live together obviously the longest than everyone else because we still live together it is not easy to maintain a relationship with a sibling this episode is brought to you by sax.com at Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the 
must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. <laughs> Why are you laughing? No, I'm being serious. No, I'm I think like, that she's the relationship. Me right no, now. <laughs> no, the relationship that you and I have. I'm On like, her podcast. I brought her here so I could lay it down. I have uh, my grievances with you. Give me my blazer black back. <laughs> my black blazer back. No, um, she doesn't. Do you have my blazer? No, I don't think so. Uh, okay. No, I'm. No, you I have was, my. <laughs> you have my jacket for a while though. Anyways, <laughs> I think that. Part of, and our relationship is not perfect by any means. I think once in a while we'll argue and be annoyed by each other. But I think that we've come such a long way over the years. And I think well, it's I mean, because yeah, you have to put being effort. kids to being adults. Kids, teens, kids, adults. as in when I was out with my friends or on dance floors and I would randomly appear and scare the <laughs> shit out of me. Because I would be dancing and I would just look and I'd see this curly haired girl like just standing there. And I'm like, Hannah, what are you doing? Like go with the little kids and she'd be like no she was attached you were attached yeah to me. Do i you remember, remember that? i remember like i would have like like your friends younger sisters that would also be my friends but like if i i would not go up to them like yeah you were so attached to me and it was just so awkward because i literally didn't even have to take care of you i just knew you were gonna be there <laughs> i'd go sit like we'd get grab cake or something and then i next thing you know i just know she's standing right there next to my chair <laughs> it was so cute though and then i think we had the hardest time when you were in high school yeah i guess i can see that yeah i think that's because that's when you started gaining more independence and like we're, we're more pushing are back hard. they are hard and i was like i think what was hard for me was i was still like a young adult but yeah, I had to take on this large responsibility of kind of raising you because at that point, no one was left at home. Mm -hmm. It was just me. And, you know, my parents are immigrants and they're amazing parents, but they can't, they couldn't help you, you know, just certain with your things, academics like, yeah. and also like things that you were dealing with at school and just, you were going through a lot when you were in high school. Mm -hmm. And so I had to take part in that and I had to... I was taking you to, like, all your doctor's appointments and, like, just everything. And it, I think it... Oh, yeah, because I was anemic at that time. And yeah. that's... And also and that affected that my mood. Yeah. Like, we I remember because you kept talking to me and you were like, are you being bullied? It and wasn't was even like, no. just... No, it wasn't just even anemic. It was... There was something. I don't remember what it's called, but remember you had I had to, strep like, throat. <laughs> no, that what? was... The, I remember that. No. Dude, chill. Strep throat is, like, something that comes and goes, but you had that, like, specific type of anemia. We oh, were going did to I? a blood specialist. Yes, remember that doctor would come from LA. Oh yeah, just I to remember. See you? Yeah, yeah. See what even mom sister here. I remember. It was just like it was. They just gave me regular iron pills, so I don't know. I thought that it was just regular. Yeah, you also had to see a dietitian, and you had to go to the CBCC center, which was a <laughs> a cancer center regularly. It was a cancer, so it was like really weird, and I would have to take you to those appointments. Oh yeah, I remember being 18 having to carry a note with me all the time that was from my parents saying that they gave me permission to take you to the these appointments and that i was able to like sit in with you because they never were able to attend or oh, yeah. take you it's probably called hipaa <laughs> no i learned it because i had a co no, I know what she's a nurse is, now but. but anyways uh yeah it, it took a lot it was a lot on me like i had to grow up really fast at that time but my personality has always been very responsible i guess you could say so it, it wasn't hard i mean it was hard but what was hard is like how do you convince someone who's not your kid who's growing up and becoming independent to open up and be okay with someone being so much in their space you know yeah because at the end well, of the I day i was also, your sibling i yeah. wasn't your mom I wasn't. well i think you also had to learn like to give me space too because i remember there were times where we would argue you. and yeah i remember i would literally be like i'm leaving like i would just go to my room <laughs> and i'd be like no i'm not having this conversation right now and then you would like I'd come like, in communication and, Hannah, we yeah. need to talk about this <laughs> and i just like not not today and then you know and, and then those were now bad. it's yeah now yeah. it's better though because like but that we'll was no but yeah no i realized that that was bad on my part the thing is i think with anyone like it, it kind of almost reminds me of like a marriage where when you start living with someone, you start seeing how they handle, let's say, confrontation or arguments or a stressful situation mm -hmm. or conversation. 
sometimes one person needs to take a break even if the other person still wants to talk about it you have to give the other person a break and let that and like give them that time you know Mm -hmm. and uh that's something that we had to learn and i feel like we communicate better now when we do disagree on things we and sometimes it's like really stupid things but when we do disagree upon it it like lasts for that moment and then it goes away Mm -hmm. because i think i understand like and you understand what we have to do to to basically get over it and like we pick our fights and we don't Mm-hmm. We don't let every little thing bother us. Yeah. I think another big big thing with, like, sibling fights or whatever is not to get other people involved. That's like, true. That's we one never. Thing. Yeah, that's not my, the my parents My dad involved. always thinks, he's always like, you guys never fight. You guys yeah, are good. Like, I'm like, you just don't see it. Yeah, no. Because I think, you know, and one, I feel like that's, you know, when you're fighting with your sibling, it's like it's you versus them, like, battling. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when we're fighting, it's me and you, like, battling it out. Yeah. When one <laughs> of us, you, you know what I mean? But, like, when one of us bring in either one of our parents all, or another sibling. Yeah, and don't bring my mom into it. She is, like, trying to keep the peace, but she <laughs> doesn't. She doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> no. She starts yelling at me because <laughs> she'll yell at both of us. No, 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 no. Because I'm not one to cry, per se, Okay, here's the thing though. And I Hannah's- cry, but I'm like, no, just keep going. Keep yeah, I- going. <laughs> I'm like, let's keep no, it going. I, the thing is, is I've gotten used to seeing you cry and, and keeping it going. Yeah. Which I always tell you, like, this sucks because you start crying, you make everyone feel like shit. Because like, halas, you win, you win the argument because you start crying and it's sad. But when no, my mom sees that, argument, my mom my does words. not like seeing you know us cry, so she immediately will just she'll like attack me because she'll be like, what did you do to make her cry? I'm like nothing like yeah. i'm just expressing my feelings and sometimes it's because you feel bad about something and or sometimes then, it's just like i don't know how to express myself and yeah. for me that's really frustrating when it's yeah. like i don't have the ability to so for me i don't know i think like i know i am i know like some of our siblings like some of us are just more likely to cry than other. like that's just i feel like how we are yeah and that's the other thing about siblings. I always wonder, like, how that is determined. Because they always say, like, the baby is the one that's, like, the most sensitive. I think that's true. Yeah. I think part are. of it is because of the way that, like, And the middle children are, like, the most resilient because they've just had to, like, yeah, figure things out. I'm not necessarily the middle child in, in terms of where I land in the sequence of, like, how we were born. But mm-hmm. I think I'm the middle child in the sense of, like, everyone is either, like, everyone older than me is has been married for many years has kids like they all share a commonality in that and then there's you who was like young and still in college or in high school and then there was me like in the middle like in her mid-20s not married done with school but I always felt like I was I don't know I always yeah. felt like I was I kind mean, of in the middle well yeah because like you again like I said you had you had to you had a sibling who was the baby like i feel like like hypothetically if i didn't exist it's like you know meta you you got really excited no i was just thinking about how much i i wish for your sibling and i remember i'm trying to think of how nice my life would be right now if i was an only child i would feel like an only child yeah you would right or i would like imagine if i was like a boy and like you had Girl, a brother. If you instead. were a boy, we'd be traveling the world. We would. I, I would, would not be, like, be here no. right now. Yeah, that would like, I got my younger better. brother. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Damn it, Hannah. Well, I don't know. They, you know, some a lot of people think that, but then I've talked to girls where they have younger brothers, and then they'll say, you know, my younger brother you doesn't want to go that anywhere. Y cram- cram- chromosome. You couldn't grab that Y chromosome. Just on my way out. <laughs> yes. You could have. Um, That's not how biology works. <laughs> You know, I didn't study any hard sciences. Um, but Natural sciences. Don't say hard sciences. Because what? Behavioral science is not a soft science? Yeah, no, it's not. A, it's, a, it's a behavioral science or social science, but then natural sciences, like natural. Why isn't behavioral natural? We're by nurture. <laughs> okay. She got a degree now, so she's flexing. smarter than me. Flexing her knowledge. Um but no, at the same time too, I think you just have to be realistic of how things are. But I think the older you get, the more relaxed I am because I'm just like you have your own life and yeah, you're that's be the other thing. Your own as soon as I, I turned can't. eighteen, I think a lot of things got easier for us because part of it was because I like the fact that you would kind of just tell me you're an adult now. Like I can tell when you disapprove of things, but you would just be like you're an adult now. And obviously, you know, it wouldn't be like big things. Okay, so we just took a little break. How little was it? 
a few days <laughs> and now we're back um so i want to do this segment i want to call it maybe twitter talks but Ooh, one like thing that. thanks um put a lot of thought into it a few days <laughs> a few days thoughts into it yeah exactly um but i just feel like twitter has great content mm-hmm. um for different types of yeah. things like whether a lot it's of frustrating and, content too yeah so there's controversial things obviously there's like political things there's funny things i feel like twitter is a very funny place as well Mm -hmm. so i thought what we could do since you and i always dm each other tweets anyway is um i'd invite you to like maybe share a tweet or i could share a tweet and then we can talk about it yes so do you have something you want to or do you want me to go first yes actually i'm just thought of another one that i saw but that's a whole other talk other topic and we i saw a time, whole debate so. about like mahed prices oh god that, that one good, knows, that's a good one though that is um that could be just a whole topic on its own but um this one that i saw do i name the person i'm just gonna name the person yeah you can it's not. called stolen person um his at is queer socialism and this was the tweet it was correcting a non-white person's spelling or grammar is waste racist I almost said racist. Okay, so uh, correcting a non-white person's spelling or grammar is racist. Jot that down. And so. what is the reaction people are getting? So, I mean, it has a pretty significant amount of likes, but this person, I think, has, yeah, they have, like, 24.8K followers. Um, but a lot of the comments, like, a lot of them are hidden and stuff like that. But it's about, like, questions. Oh, I just see even more comments. But a lot of it was, like, backlash. I saw, I actually saw it from. People disagreed. Yeah, I saw it from someone else who retweeted it where they were just like, this is, like, so dumb and stuff like that. So what's your opinion on it? Um, I think it depends in the context. I guess that's everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the way that I interpreted this was, like, in terms of, like, um, dialects and, like, what is it, like, vernacular systems. Basically, like, I don't know, like, if you think about the way that certain people talk and depending on where they're from or something like that like I think if you write that out that way like it's fine and if anything it's more correct than y'all or yeah like those were never technically words but now they've kind of become words yeah and like I'm pretty sure like you know there are just some things where it's like if you write it down like on Microsoft Word you know everything goes off where it's like this is wrong Mm -hmm. but you kind of just ignore it anyway and you keep on writing because you know and whoever your intended reader is they know what you're trying to say mm-hmm. and most people probably wouldn't even know that it's not grammatically correct what do you mean like there's certain things that word tells you it's not grammatically correct but if you were to read it without the indication that there's like a squiggly line under it oh or whatever, yeah you would just assume it was fine yeah definitely so i think there's that but then and then there's some i think i think some universal type of things like like y'all i think pretty much everyone now is kind of saying it Mm -hmm. or uh, even if they're not seeing it they're familiar with it they know what it means but is it grammatically Um, correct when it's y apostrophe a l because it was it's like you all condensed maybe it is i don't know you know i just took like a linguistics class and i don't remember we talked about it but but like i know i mean i guess we'll have to type it out to see but for me i guess what i was thinking when they met when this person met non what was it non-white basically like people of color um spelling like correcting their grammar for me i thought of it in a way where it's like i don't know i guess where someone says something under certain slang or under certain you know community and it's like when you say it or pronounce it that way so basically like if you're an uncultured swine then (laughs) what (laughs) you've never heard that i've heard of that phrase yeah basically saying if you can't if you're if you're correcting people because you don't understand like their like cultural jargon or like the way that they say things or maybe yeah. they have an accent but i i i i lean more towards i think you see that how people you see it in a certain type of context but i think that's such a small percentage and such a what do you mean small percentage well again you're the one who studied this stuff so maybe i don't know but when i read that i i kind of more lean on towards the like yeah uh, it's kind of stupid to say that mm-hmm. correcting someone's grammar is because English language at the end of the day has grammar. So if you're correcting it based off of the English language that we predominantly use, then they're just correcting the grammar. First of all, correcting people's grammar is annoying in general. It doesn't matter what color you yeah, are. Yeah, I do think it's annoying Obviously. In but I'm saying, like, to call it racist, I think that's just, like, a kind of blanket statement. Well, see, okay, well, that's the other thing. The reason why I agree with it to an extent is because 
I guess, like, I, when I took a sociolinguistics class, this is probably so boring to people. Oh, my just God, I'm just realizing that now. <laughs> anyway, when I took a sociolinguistics class, for me, it was very interesting because we learned about different societies and different dialects and how, like, different communities, you know, speak a certain way. Um, like, we were just talking about, you know, how, like, my mom and her mom have, like, different dialects. And yeah, because be. they grew up in different areas. Yeah. So, um you know, pretty much with every language, that's how it is. And for me, the way that I took it was that, um, so what we learned in that class is that, you know, you might grow up with a certain dialect that's not the standard English dialect. Um, so, you know, either like a heavy Southern accent or I don't know, like a heavy New York accent or something. And then if you go somewhere where everyone else speaks the standard dialect and you're trying to like get a job or something, they say if you interview and you're not professional in that sense that can hinder you or things like I mean not just interview I feel like that's very and I guess it depends like I think wording obviously you Mm -hmm. can't say certain words obviously when you're in interview but I think the way that you say it I think like there's been studies showing that like people are discriminated by their language well like I I work in agriculture and so there I think that sometimes there could be a stigma towards people who have like a country twang that they're like uneducated you know Mm -hmm, yeah um which is not the case because that that's not necessarily true mm-hmm. or at least in you know whether they're educated or not in terms of like having a diploma but a lot of them have the work experience and like the knowledge of the industry or whatever area that they're um or field that they're in but people do assume that that is that you're somehow like kind of like a you know that you're just uneducated yeah or sometimes i feel like people who like uh like Maybe English isn't their first language, and that goes into something else. So but you know what I mean, like racist. Things. I think maybe you're discriminating against someone if they're an immigrant or like because you, yeah. <laughs> you can discriminate. Discriminate. You can discriminate. I can't say the word. Discriminate. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm, I'm tired. You can discriminate against someone who's white who has you know like a southern um, twang who's very country. So I think you can discriminate against anyone. But I think it's just. Well, I think it can hit racism on certain points. Like, depending on the context. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm I'm not saying it doesn't. It does. But I think to say such a blanket statement, like, don't correct uh, non-whites grammar because it's racist, like, that's like saying, like, no, like, that's telling people you cannot correct. If anything, there's a lot of brown people or people of color that are probably learning the language, so maybe they want their grammar to be corrected or maybe they Well, yeah, maybe in a school setting, like, if you're learning standard English, but I think if you're... Verbally? I thought grammar was just in writing. Is that does it even exist in verbiage? To me, grammar is like I, writing. I'm pretty sure it does. I'm pretty sure, but honestly, I don't know. That's I've a never good heard point. anyone say, like, your verbal I feel like grammar. With, I f- well, I feel like when you speak though, that's sometimes it's so fast and it's I don't know. I feel like but, you know when when you're face to face with someone or when you're speaking, like I feel like you're less likely to correct them or maybe you're less likely to notice it. Whoops, to notice it. But for me, like, I feel like when it's written, it's so easy because sometimes, like, you can read it over and over again and it's, like... Well, because it's also a lot more, not to say detailed, but we know exactly what, like, you're more likely to spot a comma missing in a sentence than, like, someone not taking the proper pause at a certain point of a sentence to, you know... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a comma is supposed to create a pause, but sometimes you might not have that pause when you're speaking. Or maybe you do because it's natural. I don't know. Yeah. But interesting i don't know for me i don't know i thought that i don't i understand like the whole i think a lot of people misinterpreted it but i guess for me no it's an interesting perspective i would have never thought of it in that perspective yeah i don't know i guess for me just in terms of like again i what i went to when i thought of it was like um like the african-american vernacular system so like kind of and i learned about that like instead of saying like um he he is happy Sometimes people say, like, he be happy, and the, those are two different things. So, like, that or, um, again, like, just when you're so speaking you, with So, certain, in an educational setting, you would be able to correct that? If the educational purpose was language-based, if it was, like, let's say writing a paper, then yes, I think that's fine. But I think what if it's in terms of... Communication-based? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Even, actually, when writing a paper, it depends on what paper you write. Because there are some where, again, that that's completely fine, I think, the way that it depends on what context, you know what I mean? When you're writing a paper and when you're saying something in a certain way. That's interesting. You disagree? No, come on. It's I'm not like, that I, It's not that I disagree. I don't think I have enough knowledge to speak on it, but just from my understanding, like, just we've always, you know, 
were taught a certain way to speak and to write according to like what the English literature guidelines and rules are and and I feel like when you sit there and you let like to me I if I was in a, a teacher in a classroom which I'm not and I don't have credentials or anything but if a student said that I would say no the proper way of saying it is he is happy not he be happy well that's the other thing though like well again it depends on what context they're trying to if they're saying it if they're writing it I would just no no them. not that I mean context isn't like what they're trying to like what are they trying to what message are they trying to convey what's the different message that they would convey other than someone's happy so he is happy is like you're just happy at the moment he be happy is like a state of being that's that's what my professor she taught me the difference mm. she was like that's the two differences no that's interesting I mean, so like I you know what i mean so it's different you know what i mean like and if if you i've heard of that before like i mean not necessarily he be happy but like you know the the be part mm-hmm. and like you hear that and like when i thought about it i'm like oh that actually makes sense when you think about it's it kind of like when they say like i be humble like yeah. I'd be grinding. I'd be, you know, like... Yeah, it's like a state of, you know what I mean? Like, I guess like a like a certain phase, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's interesting well. because I've always been interested in linguistics, but not... I feel like you're focused on English language and the different nuances and dialects and all that stuff. Um, whereas I'm more interested in how words translate over between languages. So, like, obviously I'm fluent in Arabic, English, and then I'm pretty good at spanish and so i see the similarities in which arabic and spanish um the similarities arabic and spanish has um even in terms of like the way that we align like our adjectives and Mm -hmm. our nouns and our verbs and stuff like that and it's very different than english but just understanding like why certain parts of the world you know have an adjective before their noun or vice versa and Mm -hmm. um just the way that we can say a sentence and in Arabic, it could be, like, in one word, it encompasses what the sentence is in mm-hmm. English or something. That's always interested me, and I actually wanted to study linguistics when I was at, um, at school. But the department was so small, so I knew I wasn't going to get much out of it. But I wanted to because I always, like, in my mind, I always broke apart, like, the, how my mind balances between the two and understands, yet they're, they're very different. Like, the structure, um, mm-hmm. obviously not very different, but the structure has... Um, differences and then when I obviously became more proficient or like better at Spanish and then seeing the similarities still the differences between Arabic but then the similarities between the two and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. yeah so for me I feel like it's because I don't I'm not as confident like I I feel like I'm very confident alhamdulillah with the English language but I feel like with the Arabic I always feel like I can improve on with Spanish I learned it but then I completely forgot it so I can't even what do you mean like if you don't use the language you're not gonna keep it yeah you do so, for me, I feel like with Adabi, I've been able to retain a certain amount just through, like, my religion and through, like, my family. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah, like being raised in a community. Yeah. But other than that, I feel like I, like I don't feel the same level of confidence that I do with English. I, mm-hmm. I As much as I'm really good at Arabic, I think what mixes me up is all the dialects and the versions of Arabic that I'm exposed to. Oh, yeah. And it makes it very complicated in my brain to figure out how I'm which words I'm gonna say because it's it sounds really silly when you jump from like my Yemeni dialect to another Yemeni dialect to a Khaliji dialect to you know a Shami like Palestini dialect that mm-hmm. I pick up from like my brother-in-law my my nieces and my sister now who predominantly has like a weird dialect as well too but it's just there's so many so like I want to do an episode I, uh, I'm planning inshallah on recording it um with someone who is Saudi Arabian and um I think she predominantly speaks Arabic, although she's she's fluent in English. But I know she's going to speak Arabic because I, I notice in everything that I see her speak on, she's she mixes, you know, she brings both languages in. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it, I feel like I immediately do that too, um, subconsciously, just switch between the languages. But then I'm like, I don't want to hear my voice when I speak Arabic because... I'm so much more confident in English than I am in Arabic. And I wish that, like, my dream is to go live in an Arab country for a while just so that I can practice my Arabic and be more, because, like, I can, I mean, obviously I'm very fluent in it and I can get by and I'm fluent at writing and everything, but I want to be consistent with my wording. Like, I want it to be as close to fusha or as close to, like, a general dialect that most people can understand and not so, like, yeah. Yemeni. If I could, I would actually love to get, like, an Arabic degree, like, in Arab, like the Arabic language. Kind of like how we did with English, where it focuses a lot on 
like so the like, language and literature. So I studied the Arabic language pretty much my whole life since I was young in the Arabic school and then all the years I was in Yemen. And when I came back up until I was in college, I studied the Arabic language and I studied specifically um, Tajweed, which is like the way that you read the Quran. And there's mm-hmm. like a lot of rules into it. And like I still now when I read, it's like embedded in me. Like you once you learn it, you almost can't read the Quran the same way. Mm-hmm. So like there's certain um, ways that you have to enunciate mm-hmm. um, words. So certain letters. So you learn about the origin now we're getting into like the Arabic linguistics part, but you learn about the origin of the letter, where it comes from. And so some of them, they start at the tip of your, or I guess your, your lips, and then the tip of your tongue all the way down to your throat. And mm. then we have... Uh, yeah, I remember. Isn't there like a chart? I could have sworn I remember. Yeah. yeah. And then I think they're called... Um, damn, I might butcher this, but it's like... Haruf al- al- you know what actually in my linguistics class i think there was a similar chart where or at least there was a way where we learned different letters that like or we learned sounds because i guess like there's this international like set of letters and it's like it's pretty much it can be applied to any language but it's every single sound that a human can like make and there are some where it like nobody could pronounce in english but then, like, as she would pronounce it, I'm like, wait, I'm like, that sounds like an Arabic letter. And I'll be like, wait. And then there's somewhere it was, like, obviously, you know, something that could be pronounced in Spanish, but not Arabic yeah. or English or... Yeah, no, but yeah. it's interesting. And then, you know, the way that the words mix. And so, for example, we have, like, in the English language, like, S and H, you know, together, that makes sh, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it would be similar. It's similar, but not at the same time. It's just how you... And it's between words. It's how you would blend the last um, letter that would have, like, for example, there's Ahkam Nuna Sakna. So there's a silent noon. And so you have to figure out how that blends in with the next letter, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, since I'm obsessed with Twitter, and so are you and probably everyone else, I think what I want to do is set up some type of, like, Twitter talk Twitter episodes. talks. Twitter One. talks. Damn, I'm gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> That's gonna be in the background no, of <laughs> like a chat um, instead of your usual like music intro in the beginning. Yeah. Um. Don't make me. I will use it. Uh, uh, please don't. <laughs> the. I think it would be interesting because there's so many. To me, Twitter is just open. It opens topics and people are just. They're just. It's just a different type of vibe there. So I think it'd be interesting if we did once a week since we are um, neighbors. Our rooms are next door to each other, and roommates. then we'll just have discussion. We're not roommates. Oh, roommates. I said roommates. Oh, no. roommates too. I mean, we're not twins. We share the same womb, though. Anyways. Okay. Okay. Do I sign off? Goodbye. Do I say goodbye? Oh, you want to do the... Yeah, you can do the ending. You can tell them where to find me and all that stuff. You can find Noor at This Muslim Girl Podcast on Instagram, Twitter. Do you have Facebook? I do, but I'm not active because I don't have my personal Facebook. Okay, then yeah. So I guess not her Facebook page. Um, do you? you what's your website or blog? This Muslim girl. This Muslim girl. Which I don't really update either. She does not update Let's just stick that either. To Twitter and okay, Instagram. Twitter and Instagram. This Muslim girl podcast. Um, should I plug myself? No, I'm just kidding. No. Okay, don't follow her. <laughs> no. Okay, Thank you. Uh, I'm the only one who likes her, her tweets, so. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um.